Suncast is brought to you by SunGrow, providing clean power for all. Suncast is also brought to you by Trina Solar. Hi, I'm Karen Berardo, Executive Vice President of Emerging Markets for M&W Group. If you're looking for the best info and tips on how to develop and sell solar in Latin America, look no further. Welcome to Suncast with my friend, Nico Johnson. Hey there, and welcome to episode 12 of Suncast, the podcast dedicated to solar professionals in Latin America. I'm Nico Johnson, solar industry veteran, Latin America fanatic, and your host for conversations with solar industry experts and thought leaders. This is the place where we tease out stories on personal and professional growth, market development, and industry trends from some of the most experienced folks in the solar business. Whether you're listening on your commute, your lunch break, or maybe even a long flight, it's my hope that this show provides you with the insights and resources to lead the solar revolution in Latin America, the fastest growing solar market in the world. Today on Suncast, we are live at Green Tech Media Solar Summit in Mexico with my friend Alvaro del Rio Garcia of Gestamps Excelio Energy Mexico. Alvaro has a storied history developing solar in both Europe and Mexico. And in today's episode, I get him to dive into the lessons learned from building the first utility-scale solar project in Mexico, the 40-megawatt Aura Solar Project in Baja California Sur. I'm sure glad that you're here with us today, because you're in for another treat. Enjoy this week's episode of Suncast with Alvaro Garcia. Well, today we have Alvaro del Rio Garcia on the show. A civil engineer by training, Alvaro is one of many Europeans who's gone native, as it were, and has spent the majority of his seven plus years in renewables in Mexico. Alvaro has headed up Gestamp Solar's expansion into Mexico since September 2014, and prior to that was the managing director in Martifer Solar Mexico, counting as a major milestone achieved during his time there, the completion of the EPC contract for the Gauss Energia 38.7 megawatt Aura solar, solar plant in La Paz, Mexico. Still to this day, the largest PV project built in Mexico. We are gathered in, uh, in Mexico for the Green Tech Media Solar Summit in Mexico. The first time Green Tech Media is forayed out of the U.S. into a new market. And I am taking advantage of that to get in front of some of Mexico's, uh, I'm going to call them uh, PV market leaders. And Alvaro is certainly uh, at the head of that group, having installed really the first major utility project here. He is fluent in four languages, but today we're only going to test him in two. Alvaro, bienvenido a Suncast. It's a pleasure. I actually should let the audience know that you are here live in the flesh. And uh, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you very much. Muchas gracias. And uh, uh, congratulations for your program. I think it's very, very interesting. We're going to jump into the life and times of a solar developer born into the market in Spain and transplanted into Mexico. You trained as a civil engineer, correct? Yep. Okay. And civil engineering at that time, what you were, you were getting a specialty in Madrid in renewables, correct? 
Mm-hmm. Well, my as a civil engineer, uh, my specialization was forestry, mm-hmm. and uh, because in Spain the the name of the career is Ingeniero de Montes, which is something yeah. that uh, it's not a common career here in okay. in the Americas. Uh, I, I would say it's like a civil engineer with a specialization in in forestry yeah. and uh, environment in general. You you left university in what year? Uh, 2008. 2008. Well, that was yes. an interesting time for solar in particular yes, in Spain. Yes, very interesting. So, and I'm, were you were you lucky enough to move straight into a gig in renewables? Well, all the big, I, I did a, a kind of um, internships in mm-hmm. in a solar company in 2006 mm-hmm. when prices of the EPC was a kind of seven dollars per watt peak. Wow. It was crazy. Uh, I, uh, in that moment, I uh, was very interested for about uh, the renewables uh, in general. And uh, then I started in Brosolia, which is a Spanish company that mm-hmm. it was a leader in in rooftops in two thousand and and eight. Uh-huh. So a distributed generation player. Uh, yes, okay. yes, little. Well, about uh, we did rooftops of about one hundred, two hundred until two megawatts. Right. Yeah, uh, it was very very interesting. And the father of my of my wife uh, had uh, one of the first companies in solar in 1993, uh-huh. and uh, she in in her in grandmother's house uh-huh. have one of the first uh, solar installations uh, of Spain. It was 7.7 kilowatts. So you've married into solar aristocracy. Yes, something, <laughs> something like that. It's, a, it's something that comes from that's family. A, that's a lot to live up to. So let me see if I'm doing my math right. You had an internship and you were seeing this industry in an all-out sprint. It was booming in Spain and it, yes. was, it was growing like never before in Germany. And you graduated in 2008 and you got a solar job. Yes, uh, but... Uh, but I think uh, I graduated in 2008, started to work in late 2008, early 2009, and it was very disappointed for me that uh, after 2008, in which in Spain we built nearly 3 gigawatts of solar energy. Yeah. In 2009, we, I think in Spain was uh, the capacity installed about nothing, or 20 megawatts. So... I had a very uh, interesting dreams about uh, my my first jobs as a technical engineer, right. and uh, I was very disappointed with the with the energy policies of uh, Spain mm-hmm. in that moment, and uh, it was not very funny to have arrived the the PV sector in that moment. Yeah. that was one of the. One of the reasons uh, that, uh, to to start the Latin American adventure, and and did you so like many in Spain when the market began to uh, well when the market went completely south and disappeared, you were a part of a team who said, well, where can we take our skills and what markets are available? Were you integral in Prosolia's? Uh, search to look outside of Spain at that time, or is, or did you begin looking for other opportunities? No, uh, I, I I had the opportunity to enter Martifer mm. in 2010, 
Martifor was a very interesting company in that moment. And um, we started to, when I just entered the company, we started to see possibilities to make the office of Madrid uh, uh, something uh, interesting in terms of uh, business. So Something international. Yes. Yeah. Help me understand a little of the backstory then. You've transferred over to Martifer and Martifer is growing this international business. Uh, can you just walk me down the path of uh, this young civil engineer who gets the perhaps the chance of a lifetime to move uh, abroad and 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 work in in the country? Yes, we started making uh, uh, useful and interesting technical job, studying uh, the prices of energy in every country, the stru- um, studying the grid the grid interconnections and uh, the prices of the APC in the in every Latin America uh, country, and we saw that Mexico offered uh, in that moment an interesting opportunities in terms of uh, PPAs. How how were they structured at that time? Do you recall specifics about what was interesting about the PPAs? Well, in Mexico, there's uh, you know I, I think we have here about forty different electrical tariffs, mm-hmm. and uh, in that moment, the prices of the medium voltage were not so low as they are now. Right. So it was interesting to build uh, solar rooftops for some clients in northern Mexico. And, uh, and and for context, is this about the same time that the wind industry really started to get some traction? In I think the wind industry was uh, yeah, they had more some gigawatts built in that, yeah. in that time. Uh, we had I can't remember exactly, but I think that were prices of EPC in two thousand and uh, and eleven was about one point eight or te- or two US dollar per watt peak. Uh, so we were a little more expensive than wind projects with a less uh, proficiency of the yeah. yeah. Uh, we were not not in maybe not the best in in the best place, but uh, and by more expensive you mean that it was it, it cost more to build in Mexico than in Europe. Uh, I mean that we, we were uh, more expensive than wind projects in Mexico. Got it. Then wind projects. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Okay. In that moment, not I think not now. We are cheaper than wind projects, mm-hmm. but uh, yes, in that moment. And uh, but we reduce our EPC prices, and I think that we are much more competitive now. That's, that's I'm actually going to take a quick aside. So I'm interested to understand when I, I haven't heard anyone directly compare in a long time the solar prices to wind prices. So I'm uh, I'm interested to understand when you say we meaning solar are cheaper than wind. Can you give me some context around that? In Mexico, uh-huh. well, as you know, it depends on the interconnection. Sure, it depends on many you, things. So, are you are you referring specifically to the cost per installed uh, kilowatt hour or the LCOE? Yeah, What's, in uh, what is it that? How, no, I mean, I mean the EPC prices in in what peak? Uh-huh. Okay, uh, I think uh, we are, we could be now above um, maybe thirty uh, percent low, lower than the wind industry. Okay. But of course, they have more production. Right. Yeah. I think uh, there are lots of companies, very big utility companies, right. that are very interested in solar now in Mexico. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Well, now everyone seems uh, very focused yet again on Mexico. Uh, we, you know, you've lived through what uh, must have felt very akin to 
the Spanish market fall when you know the reform came out. Yep. Um, that we've got this tender coming up that is all the buzz, especially it will be the buzz here this week at Green Tech Media Summit. I am curious, you know, does this tender process feel exciting and new to you, or is does it feel like more of the same? It, are there particular things that you feel like uh, extranjeros are not seeing or overzealous about uh, unnecessarily, and if they lived here, they probably have a different perspective? I think uh, it's a very interesting process. The tender, I have a very big hope. Uh, very big hope. Yes, mm -hmm. in this process, I don't know what, what will happen. I think that the, the normal solar companies fight against utility companies mm. with a very uh, lower, with a very low uh, cost of capital. But uh, I don't know if you had this information, but today uh, CFE published the the proposal of uh, energy that they will buy uh -huh. and at they, each node yes, yes. No, no not only total. I mean in total total yes uh, and they are gonna buy 6.3 terawatts hour 6.3 terawatt hours yes so it's about I know but depending on the on the production but 3 gigawatts yeah three, yes 3 gigawatts of That's, solar energy so, and is that more or less than you expected it's much more much more yes yeah It'd be interesting. I'm going to have to go back now and listen to what Edgar Arbizu uh, suggested was going to be, uh, or the number was looking like it was going to be projected at, because he actually also on his, on on episode four, I think, mm -hmm. uh, suggested that the market size was around three gigawatt. Uh, well, I, well, for you know that they are going to open two auctions this year, right? And this, the first is going to be when? Sorry, the first auction will be when. The we, timing. Uh, the first section we have we have to end to uh, give the proposals on twenty eighth of March, uh -huh. and the second uh, is going to be for November. For November. Yeah, so okay. the, the both both of them are going to be this year, right. and from this year on we will have one per year. Right. If I'm not mistaken, this week is not only critical because CFE announced how much energy they're going to buy, but there's a milestone that you have to complete to be able to be eligible for the tender, correct? Yes, in February 11th, you have to pre-qualificate. Uh -huh. So pre-qualify by February 11th? Yes. Uh, to pre-qualify, is it just you submit documentation or do you have to be selected? You have to submit the documentation mm -hmm. and then you have uh, about uh, a month to uh, deliver the standby letter of credits yeah. as uh, warranties mm -hmm. and uh, another month to uh, on the 28th mm. is the deadline for delivery. The, the proposal. The proposal. Economical proposal, yes. Do you feel like there are certain things you would like to see that would elevate the overall game of the industry in preparation for this tender? I think the most important highlight of the tender is that uh, the solar projects were normally developed in the, in the northern north parts of the north states of the country, yeah. since the radiation is much higher then. 
but uh, CFA published also the the I, I mean the, the places that uh, they are they, where they have needings of energy, and uh, they are they have plenty of energy in northern uh, of the of the country. So right. I would for a new investor in the country, I would say it's gonna be interesting uh, to develop in places where the radiation is lower, but uh, the the utility company uh, needs energy in the country. For example. I would say I know maybe Yucatan, yeah, Veracruz. Actually, Yucatan was on was on my mind yes, because I remember exactly. back in in 2012 uh, there was the land rush for Sonora and just the northwest region of Mexico, mm-hmm. and a few developers, mostly be born out of relationships, as most things happen, carved out a nice niche for themselves, a nice sector in the Merida Yucatan Peninsula area. Yes, who. If I'm reading the documentation right, should benefit now from being well positioned for a small portion of the tender that yeah. CFE has said we are interested in buying. Yeah, your position. If you are projecting, for example, Yucatan or other states of the of the country, yeah, it's much better than if you have a project in Sonora. I remember when I when I started here that uh, one colleague the sector said that uh, Sonora was full of solar projects but they were every project was in PowerPoint so yeah. <laughs> yes we have and I won't think we are going to see lots of projects in Sonora in this tender so yeah you would not the yeah the, despite the the saturation not only in sunshine but in permits the the actual CFE has given given very strong signals that they're not going to be buying as much energy as folks would like to see. Yes, that's yeah. it. So in the last four years or so that you've been here, I'm certain that your experiences have not only elevated your understanding of how to do business in Latin America, which is in many ways quite different than Europe, but how to build more successful projects. And I want to look through the lens of the Aura project because it is an exemplary project for the region. Mm-hmm. And perhaps we'll start by asking if anything or series of things come to mind as lessons learned on the Aura project that you would like to share. Yeah, of course. Well, I would, first of all, apart from lessons learned of, uh, of the Aura project, I would like to mention something important. Many American citizens are afraid to do in business in Mexico. Security, corruption, I don't know. Uh, I, I, I've been living here for nearly five years. Uh, I, I built a, a power plant of four, nearly 40 megawatts. And uh, I would say that uh, I didn't find a single case of corruption in the development and in the construction. I think that's remarkable. Yeah. I would also say that uh, I didn't find in my personal or professional life uh, any problem of uh, security. I lived in the United States. Okay, sorry, I lived in the in the in, in Mexico here in Mexico City, uh, and uh, it's a very big city. But uh, I can live a very normal life. Mm-hmm. I have a family. If I have a, a kid, and um, I would like to say that uh, Mexico it's a serious and interesting company for making business. I think that's the fir- the, the first point. By the way, I think that's a very good. Takeaway. That's a great object lesson. Uh, that you're right. Many people are just afraid of what will happen. Yeah, but uh, talking about uh, lessons learned in the hour project, I would say it was very hard to explain the 
different questions and different uh, things, uh, special things that we have in this technology, explain them to the CFE. The, and the CFE is the is the utility. Yes, yeah. sorry. The CFE is a utility company here in Mexico. And uh, at first, uh, I I found them uh, really afraid of uh, what were what were we going to install in in Baja California. Uh, afraid because it was in Baja and, and the nature of the Baja grid, or afraid because this PV technology actually got a contract in place? I, th I would say uh, because of the both reasons. Mm. The grid in Baja California was, uh, Baja California Sur, uh, was not very big mm. and um, the power plant was uh, significant. Yes, significant for that uh, system. But uh, they were also people that uh, were very used to work with the same power plants for the last uh, 40 years and they uh, didn't know this technology. The technology normally here, uh, well, now we have, I think, a better uh, press, but uh, in that moment we didn't have. And uh, I think uh, they were really afraid of uh, what were we going to installed in, 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 in that land. Uh, but uh, since we first uh, um, uh, interconnected the power plant, they started doing the normal uh, tests, technical tests of, uh, of the plant, of the grid and, and everything. And uh, they were happy with the, with the power plants. Then the, 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 we, we faced another problem that was the hurricane that... Uh, the hurricane that hit Baja California. Yeah, that hit Baja California. But and this, this uh, is in 2014? Uh, yes. Or, yes. Yes, in September. And... Um, uh, I, but I think that we, uh, we could convince them that uh, the, the technology was interesting. I'm going to follow that thread for a moment. The power plants have suffered damage in yes. the hurricane, correct? Uh -huh. um, what was that like? I mean, I, I think what the greatest fear of many developers building in Latin America, uh, mm -hmm. certainly building in the Caribbean, and building in coastal areas of uh, the Central America and Mexico is an earth is not an earthquake. It's a it's a hurricane. What uh, what was that experience like? And what do you think you've gained coming out of it? And I'd actually like to understand how your system, how you designed for it, and how you felt like that that worked out. Well, in terms of design. Uh I have to say that uh, we dis uh, designed the visible parts for of the tracker and the land for w winds of, uh, wind loads of uh, 140 miles per hour. Yeah. Uh, the the winds of the Odile hurricane was I think about 200 miles per hour or something like that. Yeah, gusts, uh, the gusts were up to yeah, 200. Yeah, something and like so that. the system was warranted, and this is I think this is important, and we, sh we I want to make sure I say the right things. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I, I'm not suggesting in any way that that the system was built wrong. I'm curious from an engineering perspective, it was designed and warranted to withstand 140 mile per hour. Sustained winds or gusts? Uh, what is gust? Gust is a is a soplon. Ah, okay. Yeah, yeah. I think the, uh, it was uh, designed for for the whole the sustained winds. Wind, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. But um, I think that it was a, a normal uh, hurricane. Yeah. It was a, it was an act of God. Yes, something. <laughs> like that. And uh, we of course had uh, insurance 
And, yeah. uh, were you still at Marta for? No, uh, it was curious because I left the, the company, I think the same day. Uh, that the no hurricane hit the department. <laughs> yes, that's it ominous. was not a happy day, but that's uh, ominous. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, you've started from scratch now a uh, couple of different teams in Mexico, mm-hmm. which in and of itself is uh, is impressive to come as a foreigner and start two separate businesses in in this country and be responsible for that. Given the bumps and bruises and scars naturally associated with the Latin American market and starting a new business in the Latin American market. Who is the first person that comes to your mind? Not person's name, title, role, job. When you now think if you had to do it again for a third time, who's the first person you put on your team? What's the care? What are the qualities and characteristics of that person? That's interesting. Well, uh, I think it's very important to hire local people, to hire people from Mexico, because uh, we can find here very well prepared uh, technicians, very interesting. Uh, also, we, we can find it interesting finance profiles, and uh, meaning b- c- capable bankers. Yes, okay. of course, of course. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I had a Mexican team in Martifer. I have a Mexican team also in Gestamp. Mm-hmm. Uh, people here uh, have a very interesting level of knowledge in uh, in many in many ways. Yeah. Uh, so first of all, I would like to say that for the international company to come to Mexico, I think it's very important to hire local people. Right. Very, very important and uh, talking specifically about profiles and uh, what profile could be interesting for a developer uh, I think uh, of course that uh, um, it's very important to take care for uh, in the financial field so it sounds like you're saying that the most important team member for you when you begin building your team is someone on the finance side yes of course uh, especially in uh, in a sector where we are going to face for the two next two years, one or two years, uh, auctions. Yeah. I think that the advantage that uh, we can find in this kind of process are the cost of capital. Some, some curious. If you were look, thinking about the players on a football pitch, mm-hmm. which player is the financier? Which which position does the financier play on a football pitch? The, the uh, delantero. Is the delantero? Is yes. the striker? Yeah, yeah. Of course. So, I I, th- I find that really interesting because from a North American um, or perhaps U.S. centric perspective, we tend to think that someone who's a striker, someone is a is a closer, so to speak, mm-hmm. or that sort of ethos of a delantero, mm-hmm. the the face of the company is the project developer. It's not necessarily the financier, right? The person who is the strong quant finance well, piece. Yeah, but uh, I think that uh, it is not... To develop projects in Mexico uh, is not uh, mm, genetical science. I mean, uh, it's... Uh, <laughs> 
I, w- I won't say that it's easy, uh-huh. but uh, it's not very, very difficult. I think it's very difficult, for example, in this kind of uh, auctions to develop a financial model, for example, yeah. uh, and to try to have the best conditions of, your, of, the, of the financial institutions. Yeah. Uh, of course, the project developer is very, very important. Yeah. Uh, if, uh, for example, the last uh, three years where we had a, a scenario of uh, PPAs, mm-hmm. I think that the business development manager um, was a very very impre- interesting position. We yeah. heard uh, this position also in, this, in the company, but uh, in a in a scenario of uh, auctions, I think that the the financial director or manager, or, uh, I don't know, it's very, very important. Very interesting. What I have experienced is very similar. The, some of the unsung heroes in the success of projects tend to be the Excel jockey the junior developer or, or finance or, or perhaps the financial analyst uh, working many late hours in the office supporting the, you know, the perceived delantero being the business manager, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm not challenging. I, I find it very, I'm very curious to understand. I've never built two businesses in Mexico. So I'm genuinely curious from your perspective, who's the right person to be that first rock in the wall, right? Um, thank you for that. Uh, no, no I've, I've never asked actually a, a number of these questions on the show. So okay. this is, uh, this is actually quite fun for me. I'm curious, is it the same answer if your job is only to come in and execute on construction? Like you're a, an Iberdrola or, a, or a Marta for not trying to develop projects, but rather trying to win EPC contracts? I think that uh, if you are if you are an EPC contractor, the um, development of the of the subsidiary in Mexico is uh, much different. Yeah, I think that uh, so you the should. First, the first hire then would be would be a technical manager. Technical manager. Yeah, to manage uh, subcontractors, mm-hmm. to have a, a price listing of uh, yeah. updates and all that. Yes, technical manager. Excellent. I would say that. And that's a wrap on part one of our conversation with Alvaro. And you are now well-armed to go out there and take on the world again. If you're hankering for more, check out part two of this interview, where you'll get to hear more about Alvaro's stories from Alvaro's, his insights into upcoming legislation, and one of the key ways to sell solar in Latin America. Over on the blog, I've shared some resources on the Mexico Power Auction results that we spoke about. So check it out at www.mysuncast.com, clicking on the link called Latest Episode at the title bar. If you like the show, please tweet, share, ping me on LinkedIn. My Twitter handle is at Nico Mayo, N-I-C-O-M-E-O. You can shoot me an email, nico at mysuncast.com. Remember, if you subscribe in iTunes, you'll be automatically notified each time a new episode is released. Also, if you join the mailing list at mysuncast.com, you'll get an email from yours truly when each new episode is available. If you have a suggestion for someone you think should be featured on the show, email me at nico at mysuncast.com. By the way, I'm considering doing Suncast Live at Solar Power International in Las Vegas. Is that a good idea? Are you going? If you are, 
and you'd like to tell your story or you know someone else who should be featured on Suncast for the great work that they're putting out in the world, please let me know. Do you want to meet up or get recorded? Shoot me an email or hit me on LinkedIn. And that's it for this week. Please tune in again next week for another episode of Suncast. And thanks for listening. Until next time, stay informed, my friends, and stay tuned.